This is Jane Schofield, and you're listening to Behind the Bottom Line, being recorded as Outside, a storm called Antonia blows everything around my garden. This is episode four of season seven, and today I have a horror story for you involving another powerful lady, Lady Susanna. And take this story as a warning. Always keep your promises, because if you don't, they might just come back to bite you. So make sure you're not alone. Make sure you have a torch available in case the bad weather blows the electricity. And remember, if you hear any strange noises in your house, it's probably just Antonia. Almost certainly. I should think so. Or is it? When the nurse pushes Sir Nicholas Talbot into the room in his wheelchair, he seems so old I think he might be dead already. But he isn't, so our lawyers put the contracts on the table ready for our signatures. He doesn't really want to sign, and he eyes me and Miles suspiciously, looking for a reason not to. Mr Hickson? he asks Miles. This happens all the time. Miles looks like a cool businessman from a Hollywood film, and I'm big and fat and look like I work on a building site, which is in fact where I started. But Miles is just my secretary. I'm now a millionaire property developer and I'm buying Sir Nicholas's ancient family house. This is Mr Hickson, Sir Nicholas, says Miles, pointing to me. Will you live in Brancaster Towers with your family, Mr Hickson? asks the old man as I sign the papers. No way. I'm turning the building into 35 luxury flats to sell to yuppies, and I'm keeping one as a place for my girlfriend, Roxana. But the old guy doesn't need to know this. Absolutely, Sir Nicholas. I lie. I know Brancaster Towers has been the home of the Talbot family for 300 years. I plan to move in with my wife and kids and... Very well, he says as he finally signs. Look after it carefully. I will, I promise myself. This is going to be the best deal of my life. Later that evening, Miles calls me with a good story. One of the lawyers told me something about the house, he says. When St George Talbot first built it in 1705, his wife, Lady Susanna, was caught fooling around with a servant in the West Tower. Sir George had her boyfriend strangled, and soon after Lady Susanna killed herself. People say her ghost haunts the West Tower looking for revenge. I laugh and tell Miles my plans for the place and I can't believe it when he starts talking about the danger of breaking promises. He may look like a film star but he's got no idea about business. That's why I trust him. He's too dumb to be dishonest. Anyway, a few weeks after I buy the place one of my companies starts converting Brancaster Towers into flats and I drive down to show them to potential buyers. 
they practically sell themselves. Only 45 minutes to London on the motorway and a historical building to live in. Doesn't get any better than that. And Roxana loves my place on the top floor of the West Tower when she moves in. At first, I plan to keep a flat in the main building. Not because I believe the West Tower ghost story stuff. But when a customer offers me an extra 100k if I let him buy it, I can't say no. Money talks. Of course, Roxana needs entertainment, which as a family man, I can't always provide. I tell Miles to take her to the theatre or shopping with my credit card and keep an eye on her. Sometimes I visit her during the day, but my first chance to stay overnight in the new flat comes out of the blue. My mother-in-law telephones and asks my wife to fly to the south of France for a long weekend. Like all good husbands, I look sad, give her a kiss and send her and the kiddies off in the Rolls Royce to Heathrow Airport. And I'll pick up my toothbrush and drive the Porsche down to Brancaster Towers to pay Roxana a surprise visit. When I arrive, the flat's empty. I pour myself a drink and watch the summer sun setting over the gardens. Beautiful. But a waste of good land. I'll build more houses there soon. I'll open some champagne and put on some music so there'll be a romantic atmosphere when Roxana walks in. And then, as I look out the window, I see Roxana and Miles coming hand in hand towards the house, looking like an advertisement for perfume or chocolates or condoms or something. I can't believe it. How can they betray me like this? How can they treat me with so little respect? I stand behind the front door waiting. They need to learn a lesson. When I've finished, they're still alive, but he has a broken nose. She's lost some teeth and the flat is wrecked. I only stop hitting when my hands start hurting. I wash the blood off myself in the bathroom, pick up my jacket and leave. Then, as I stand for a moment outside in the corridor, I hear somebody whisper my name from around the corner. I follow the voice and find a narrow staircase I've never seen before leading up to a door. I push it hard, fall inside and there's a bang as it slams shut behind me. The room is silent except for the noise of my breathing. Although it's July, it feels cold. As my eyes adjust, I gradually see a pale shape in the dark. It has no face, but I know it's staring at me and I'm frozen with fear. It grows taller and taller and reaches out towards me. Leave me alone. What do you want? I whimper as icy fingers circle my neck. Revenge. Lady Susanna says, Revenge. (laughs) 
Lady Susanna first appeared in Business Spotlight, and originally it was called the West Tower. The building um, called Brancaster Towers uh, is, and this is a topic that we'll come back to a little bit later, based on a small town on the Norfolk coast called Brancaster Stave. I always have difficulties coming up with names for places, and I tend to recycle names of places that I've been to or people that I knew. And uh, Brancaster State is a really nice seaside village, and it reappears in a, another story published in Spotlight called Family Matters. The building is loosely based on the school that I went to as a child uh, called Ashtown House. This was a, a prep school. And uh, it's one of those extraordinary institutions that, that some British parents send their children to. So this was when I was eight until 13. Uh, we, I was sent away to this school called Ashdown House. And it is, of course, infamous for also being the school where Boris Johnson went after my time and only for a couple of years. Last year, I saw that it was actually forced to close down by the pandemic because uh, people weren't sending their children over to the UK during the lockdown, of course. And it has, in fact, been sold to property developers, just like Brankster Towers in my story. Now, because of the lack of property being available for people, and the fact that more and more people live on their own, uh, as opposed to in family units, large old houses are very, very often turned into smaller flats, and this last week in London, there was a story of a flat being sold for €60,000. Interesting thing about it was this flat is only seven square metres. Unbelievable. Along with that, of course, the building on gardens is very problematic. So in the, in the past, these buildings would have been surrounded by areas of green, but all this green is now disappearing as it is also built on. And this is enormously problematic from the point of view of the air and the environment. Ghosts appear quite often in my stories. Um, and to be honest, I don't really have a vast experience of ghosts myself. However, I'm agnostic about them rather than refusing to believe in them. And I think it's probably due to a lack of sensitivity in myself. Because other people who I know and who I respect uh, have actually seen uh, and experienced things. If I could recommend a really excellent podcast to you, it would be the Battersea Poltergeist, which was produced by the BBC. They researched the background to a poltergeist that appeared in a house in London over a period of about 20 years, from the 50s until the 70s. And what was amazing was that they had an interview with the girl at the centre of all these amazing disturbances. So that's a Battersea Poltergeist, really, really excellent. I tend to think that if ghosts are real, maybe it's traces of energy that linger in a location over a period of time, which would explain why they seem to be local rather than generic. And it would also explain why they seem to be tied to particular places, it's not like ghosts go travelling. And also, of course, unhappiness and desire for revenge is a very powerful source of energy for people when they're alive. Uh, and I could well imagine that 
such things linger in the rooms and the walls of places where people were deeply unhappy. Of course, as a child at Ashdown House, we were convinced that the school was haunted, and we spent an awful lot of time looking for secret passages hidden behind wooden panels and things like that. We never found anything, sadly. I remember once spending an awful lot of time poking around inside the chimney of one of the rooms, and maybe the new owners of Ashdown House will find the ghost that we never managed to find. As I said earlier, I always have a lot of problems thinking of names for places and people, and the central character, Hickson, the property developer, is, in the same way that Brancaster Towers was based on my old school, I used the name of one of my friends at school, a guy called Michael Hickson, who I lost touch with years ago. And of course, he was nothing like the character in the story. I like the idea of Hickson being punished for his brutality and by his greed. Uh, Roxana's in the West Tower simply because he wanted to sell the flat he originally planned to her for more money. And the fact that it leads to Lady Susanna getting her revenge on Hickson for his behaviour is of course due to him being in the West Tower when he shouldn't have been. The character of Hickson is also strongly influenced by a writer that I like very much called Martin Amos. And physically, I kind of imagined him like the central character in his book Money called John Self. I'm always quite interested in characters like Hickson who are capable of extreme violence, mostly because this is something that I'm really not at all capable of. So it kind of fascinates me. earlier versions of this story weren't actually very different at all from the one that I just read to you. Only changes I made were that in the first version, Hickson attacked them with a baseball bat and Roxana was Russian. And I decided to remove those elements simply because when I read it, I thought, this is too much of a cliche, let's cut it out. So I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode, or at least it gave you a slight chill. Remember, I'd love to hear what you think about Behind the Bottom Line. And if you go to my website, behindthebottomline.com, you can tell me, you can leave a review, you can tell me what you think of the different stories. You can also leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and tell your friends about it, because word of mouth is the most powerful way for reaching a larger audience. And remember, if you're interested, you can read each of these season stories on my website in the transcript section. Next week's story is called The Great Kitchen War. Two departments in a company involved in a long-running feud get themselves into trouble. And I hope you'll be back to listen to that. So until then, take care and goodbye. Goodbye.